Welcome to the sermon podcast of South Hills Church in Costa Mesa. My name is Chris Kretzu, and I'm the campus pastor here. Thank you for carving out the time to listen to this today. I hope that you will be encouraged and challenged, and ultimately that you'll have a deeper sense of God's love for you. I'll be back after the message is over, but until then, I hope that you enjoyed this episode. not know this. Uh, I don't know that I talked about it, but I love the Winter Olympics, uh, and I'm just so sad that they're over. I watch the Olympics all day and all night. I record all of them, and I re-watch them, and I watch them on my phone, and it's very frustrating to my wife, I'm sure, but it's just, I, I, I'm fascinated by it, and while there's a lot of really cool sports that uh, take part in this, you know, snowboarding and freestyle skiing. My favorite, for sure, are the uh, the sledding sports, bobsled, skeleton. It's crazy. These people are flying down an ice tube at 90 miles an hour. Uh, it is absolutely unbelievable. And they're not necessarily doing tricks other than staying alive. That's the trick, is to make it to the bottom not dead, I guess. Um, but I love it. It's fascinating. And when they get to the bottom, you kind of see this moment of anxiety and even the announcement they have this, this moment where everybody's waiting to see what the clock says. Did they make it in enough time? Because it's all about the, the speed that they went down the tube, the sled with. Did they make it? And, and you see the athletes, they kind of like pull their helmets off. They look up. The, the announcers are waiting. And there's this kind of anxiety. Did I make it in enough time? And I, I think that that's something, that kind of anxiety about time is something that a lot of us carry in our lives because none of us have a lot of extra time. Uh, you know, the reality is, is that we all have this sense of being stretched kind of thin. Uh, we've got work, we've got family, we've got kids maybe, spouse maybe, we've got hobbies, interests, um, church stuff, volunteering. There's, there's so many things that are asking for our time, and there is like a little bit of that, there's no gold medal involved, but hopefully you're not going to die on your way down, but there's a little bit of that same anxiety about the amount of time that you have. Did you, do you have enough? Was it, did you go fast enough? Did you make it? Or were you able to pull it off? And I think as we talk about friendship, we're wrapping up this series on friendship. I think one of the biggest obstacles to friendships is that we don't have enough time. I think the reality is, if we're to start digging, and we will here in just a second, is that there actually is enough time, but there's just, we, we give our time to so many things. There's so many things that beg for it and ask for it and take it from us. And so then when we start to look at, man, I don't want to have to find a new friend. I don't want to have to put that work in. I don't want to have to put in that effort. Or I've got these old friends and, and we don't have to see each other very often. We can stay friends. I, I see these things online all the time where it's like being an adult and having friends is like, hey, sorry, I haven't texted you back for two weeks. Let's hang out in three months. Uh, and it's just like somehow I don't have time to send a text and I'm unavailable to hang out, but we're friends, right? Everything's cool. I don't have any time for you at all. But, but there's kind of this sense of we, we can just kind of limp along with the way things are. And if we really want to he uh, healthy friendships, if we want to cultivate and develop healthy friendships, we have to kind of wrestle with this idea of do we have the time? How are we spending our time? And that's what we're talking about today. How much time do friendships take to build? How much time does it take to keep a close friend? 
There's an author named Shauna Nequist, and uh, she's written a number of different books. And a couple weeks ago, I came across this quote as I was getting ready, and it just like it, it resonated so clearly with me because I feel like this is so true. She said, "Good friendships are like breakfast." You think you're too busy to eat breakfast, but then you find yourself exhausted and cranky halfway through the day and discover that your attempt to save time totally backfired. There is a sense, I think it's absolutely true with friendships, with relationships, where we don't have the time, and so we, we make a conscious decision to say, okay, I'm not going to sacrifice any time, I'm not going to spend time doing that because I've got other things, more important things, more crucial things, whatever it is, so I'm going to focus on those instead to save time, and it backfires because we are not meant to live alone. We're not meant to be isolated. We're not meant to have shallow or thin friendships. We're meant to live in deep connection with others. There's a researcher and anthropologist from Oxford, and she conducted a study over a number of years, and she wanted to find out what does it realistically look like for humans to have friendships? How many friendships can we actually have? How many can we sustain? Uh, And so this is kind of what she found. They made this graph. It's called uh, the Dunbar number, just FYI. She said, "In in the center of this, you know, most of us are able to have about two best friends, uh, about two, we, we can kind of handle that quantity of those deep, connected best friends. Uh, we can have about five close friends, 15 good friends, 50 acquaintances, and then uh, she talked about community or this idea of a tribe, and that we can handle about 150 people in our local community, which is kind of funny to me because there's about 150 adults that call South Hills home that show up on a regular basis, and so we're, we're pretty close in here. The other fascinating thing, because I know some of you are introverts and you're trying to get yourself off the hook of like cutting all these numbers in half, right? One best friend, maybe a close friend. I'm my own close friend, so that counts for something, right? But what they found is that introverts and extroverts have the same number. It's not different numbers. Introverts have just as many uh, people in these circles as extroverts do. So nobody's off the hook, John Mark. But um, as we look at these numbers, there's this reality that the, the way that this makes sense is because we just don't have infinite amounts of time. We don't have infinite amounts of energy, of resources, and one of the things that I read this a uh, couple weeks ago about uh, social media and the effect that it's had on friendships is that they say that the natural life cycle of friendships is that you develop new ones and then old ones, they said, their term, fall off. Uh, there's this idea that old friendships, people you knew growing up or people that you went to high school with or whatever it is, someone uh, that you knew from out of state, an old job, they would naturally fall out of your life as time progressed. But with the gift of Facebook birthday notifications, we all have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that we are still feeling some sort of connection to, and we're not really designed to have that. But we get these reminders, and it's like, oh, yeah, I remember Timmy. He lived across the street, and he's 38 now, and so now I've got to send him a message. And there's just this kind of weird pressure that we feel to continue pouring into all of these different connections and relationships, and we don't have the capacity to do that. We don't have enough energy to do that. We don't have the capacity to be friends with everyone. And usually what that means, unfortunately, is that since we can't be friends with everyone, we choose not to be friends with anyone. If I can't give everybody my best, then I'm just gonna not give anybody my best. If I can't do the same thing, if I can't show up the same way for everyone in my life, 
I, I don't want to be unfair, and so I'll just, I'll just kind of put up some walls and, and stay a little bit isolated. But that's not how we are designed to live. We're, we're actually, there's health in picking some favorites. If you don't agree with that statement, let's consider your kids or your spouse. There's health in picking some favorites. As you go out, you know, circles from there, as, as you think through close friends or family members, there's health in picking favorites of giving some things to some people that not everybody gets. We don't understand, I think, healthy boundaries, which is at the core of this. Healthy boundaries is not a, a fun idea. It's not something that anybody loves thinking about or talking about. But boundaries, they help us know how much time and space and resources we have. They help us identify what does it look like? What can I give of myself? The writer of Psalm chapter 90 says it this way in verse 12. He says, teach us to number our days. Everybody read this last line with me. That we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Now, uh, maybe first pass, this seems like a little bit morbid. Tell me when I'm going to die so I can just have a little bit of clarity on how to live. Sounds a little bit dark, maybe. But as you start to process through what he's actually articulating is this idea that as we become aware of this finite resource that we have, our time, our energy, our life, our, 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 uh, the stuff that we have, as we become aware of how much we have, we gain wisdom because all of a sudden now it's like, well, I, don't, I can't give it to everybody. I can't do everything. I can't say yes to everyone. All of a sudden now we gain a, a, a special perspective of wisdom because it allows us the, the opportunity and the perspective to be able to navigate and say, okay, I've only got X amount of time. I've only got this many hours today. I've only got whatever it might be. And so I'm going to make the best choice that I can. It gives you a heart of wisdom because you have the correct perspective that you are finite. And so is your time and your energy and your resources. And we have this reality And it fights against this desire and this natural wiring that we have for deep friendships. And there's this tension that we live in between the two of those. I want this. I just don't know if I have the time. And this is where we come into this idea of creating healthy boundaries. We're going to talk a little bit more about this. But it's important for us to be able to say no, to be able to articulate that we can't do some things. Um, I've got two boys, six and ten. Uh, they were both up here dancing phenomenally, might I add. Also, how about us having a country song in church? So that's the last time that'll ever happen, just FYI. I told first service, it's 90s rap from here on out, okay? So, um, but uh, but uh, my 10-year-old, my and it, it was really confusing when this started, but a number of years ago, he's probably seven years old at the time, uh, he just really started to clearly articulate that he didn't want to be stretched too thin, which is really bizarre for a seven-year-old. Most adults can't articulate those types of things, but his cousins play sports, and they're, they love sports. They play all the sports all the time. It's nonstop. And, and I remember Mason was about seven years old one Sunday. Uh, it wasn't a Sunday, but he, it was one day, and he was just, you know, I don't... I want to play baseball, but I just don't want to be like the Camachos, you know, sports, 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 all the time. I just, I want to be able to be home sometimes. <laughs> I was like, 
okay, it's like, you have a lot of anxiety about this. You don't play any sports at all in your home all the time. So you're afraid of the wrong things. Maybe try one and then you can be concerned. Uh, but it carried over. It was like this weird, funny thing, but he's just always been that way. Nobody is more willing and ready to say no than my 10-year-old son. Uh, he is just totally comfortable. Like, no, I don't want to. And, and for a while, we, we didn't totally understand. And now it's like, okay, he's setting up boundaries. And it's weird. And sometimes it's uncomfortable and it's difficult and it's frustrating or whatever it might be. But I have to respect and affirm that because I want him to continue being able to do that later on in life as he gets older and life gets busier. Boundaries are crucial. We have to be able to say no. And there's a few, uh, uh, there's a few uh, things that I think that we have to be able to hold on to as we process this idea because some of us are uncomfortable with these difficult conversations. We're talking about friendships, but boundaries really have to do with every aspect of our lives, with work, with friends, with money, with you know, all kinds of relationships have boundaries, and it's important for them to have boundaries. But we're just looking at this through a friendship lens today. And the difficult truth for a lot of us is that not all friendships should have full access to our deepest desires. Some of you think that everyone deserves or has the right to know everything about you, and they don't. And that's okay. Not all friendships have uh, or should have full access to all of our time. So I won't ask you to raise your hand because I know you can't say no, but how many of you guys can't say no to an invitation. You carry this low-level anxiety that someone's going to invite you to something because you'll have to go. You don't have the ability to formulate those two letters into one word with a period. We feel this pressure to say yes all the time. And some of us struggle to recognize that not all friendships should have full access to our resources and our energy. We only have a certain amount of time. We only have a certain amount of stuff. And we get to choose and prioritize the most important things. Not only do we get to, but we have to. That's what maturity is. It's being able to recognize priorities and put them in their proper place. Now, it's weird when I talk about this because the reality is, is that some of us struggle with these things. Some of us are like, man, I just, I feel like I can't say no. I feel like I struggle with, you know. But also, some of us have these expectations of other people. There's people in your life that you think should always say yes to you. There's people in your life that you feel like you always have full access to their time. If they don't text you back within 15 minutes, then you're upset. Something must be wrong. Whatever, you know, whatever it is, text messages have totally warped communication in general. It's like they put a period at the end of the sentence. I think they're angry. It's like, no, that's just punctuation, you guys. But, uh, but we all do this thing. But we have these struggles. Not only do people expect this of us, but we have these unhealthy expectations of other people as well. We have to wrestle with this, and it's weird to talk about because just two Sundays ago, I read a quote from Jesus where he said, greater love has no man than this, and he lay his life down for a friend. So Jesus, on one hand, is saying, you should be willing to die for your friends. And then you have me who's saying, tell them no, right? It feels a little unchristian. Sorry, I don't have time to die for you today. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it feels a little bit weird. It feels like there's a kind of a dissonance between this ultimate call to sacrifice that we are called to model and live in our faith with Jesus and also a healthy maturity and a challenge and an invitation for us to set boundaries in our life. It's, it's a weird kind of balance for us. And, and I think it's important because we have to recognize that Jesus himself 
had this experience. Jesus himself set boundaries. Jesus himself said no. And I want to look at that in a second because what happens is if we, if we think that all of our friendships should have full access to our time, our love, our energy, our resources, if we want all of our friendships to be equally deep, they will be. They will be equally shallow. We simply cannot cultivate deep relationships with everyone. And so we get to choose how we want to spend our time and our resources. And Jesus, there's three examples I want you guys to see that Jesus does this. Mark chapter 1 is the first one. Jesus has just been working in this crowd. There was lines and crowds of of, uh, sick, diseased, unhealthy people that were coming, and Jesus was healing these people. Incredible things, right? This is part of what we get excited about in this reality that that we serve a God who's able to do miraculous things. And and Jesus is healing these people in these crowds, and it talks about how he goes away. uh, He goes to another side of a lake, and then in verse 36, Simon and his companions, they went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone's looking for you, which is like, yeah, obviously. He's healing everyone's sicknesses. He's, he's solving everyone's problems. And Jesus replies, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. And I think as there's this moment where Jesus, he's healing people, he's doing these incredible things, and then he stops and there's still a line of people that need help. There's still a crowd of people that are struggling. There's people that, that he actually can do something to change their life. And Jesus says, no, there's actually something more important that I need to be doing. And I can't, I mean, what a difficult line to draw, to draw a boundary that says, I can help you. It could change your life, but there's some awareness that I need to be doing something else. There's something more important that I need to be doing. The second one I want to look at is in Luke 12. Jesus is preaching to a crowd, and in the middle of this sermon, uh, someone in the crowd cries out to him, and they say, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me, which I just think is hilarious. Now, let me be clear. I know that I'm not Jesus, but can you imagine if I'm just like preaching a sermon and then one of you guys is like, hey, my brother's not sharing. Can you help do something about that? Like, it's just a very weird interruption, but it's, a, it's a, an actual struggle. There's like this justice that this person is longing for with their inheritance. So this person cries out to Jesus and says, tell my brother to divide the inheritance. And Jesus replies, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Essentially, in this moment, there's this situation where Jesus is teaching to a crowd. He's, he's focused on a crowd, spending time with the crowd, and there's an individual that asks him for something specific, something that's fair and just and important. And Jesus says, no, I'm with this crowd. Because after this moment, he just goes back to teaching this crowd. He draws this line. He says, no, he has this boundary. And then the last one that I want to look at is in John 6. Um, Jesus had just fed the 5,000. There's people that are listening to him teach, and 
They're hungry, it's dinner time, the disciples try and send them home, and Jesus says, no, let's feed them. And so they bring him a few fish and loaves, and he multiplies it, feeds all of these people. It's this incredible miracle. And then it says that he goes across to another side of the lake after this happens, and we pick up in verse 25. It says, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Which is that classic kind of bit of, huh, fancy seeing you here. You know, this crowd comes around and they chase him onto the other side of the lake. He goes by boat. They walk around. And they're like, oh, when did you get here? And Jesus answers them, very truly, I tell you, you're looking for me, not because you saw the signs that I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. And it's interesting because they didn't ask him to feed them. He did that. He chose to feed them. He chose to do something good, generous, beautiful with what he could do. And there's this aspect where they come back and are hoping, I think, to get the same thing from them. More food, more, more sustenance, what they need to survive, to live. And, and he already did it once. And, and somehow he feels like it's appropriate to set this boundary and say, no, I'm not just here to give you food. There's something deeper He's looking for a relationship, for a connection, but there's this boundary that he draws. He says, yeah, I did this once. I said yes to this before, but now I'm saying no, and that's okay. And for us, as we look at our friendships and as we look at our relationships and, and we, we struggle with the kind of feeling awkward or feeling bad, like we're not allowed to say no, we're not allowed to have boundaries, we have to come to grips with there's an aspect and a balance. And I don't know if I can articulate it perfectly to us, but on some level, we are supposed to serve and give and sacrifice and pour ourselves out. And at the same time, we have got to create boundaries for ourselves so that we can be healthy enough to serve, to give, to pour ourselves out. The maturity piece is knowing where that line is. That's the struggle. That's the struggle for all of us. And when we look at our friendships, it's a challenge because we don't have enough time because we haven't really set up clear boundaries and expectations. Boundaries are important for us. In order to have healthy relationships, we must have healthy expectations of both ourselves and of our friends. Boundaries define us. They, they kind of outline our space. If you live in a house, you may have a fence around your house. Or if you live in an apartment like I do, you may have a wall around your patio. There's a boundary of your space. And you're meant to inhabit and utilize that space well. And boundaries in our lives, they, they function in a very similar way. Boundaries set two limits. The first thing is that they set limits on others. And then they also set limits on ourselves. Now, we don't like the idea of limits. The idea of limiting myself never sounds fun. But one of the things that's difficult for us to wrap our minds around is that we actually have more freedom within boundaries. When there's boundaries that we know what is safe, what is right, what is okay, what have we pre-decided, there's actually freedom in that space. If you think of a marriage relationship, you know, you think of this commitment, this covenant, there's, there's boundaries that this couple has committed to in their relationship. And there's freedom in knowing that. There's a sense of safety 
a, a vulnerability of, of being able to be honest, of being able to enjoy life, of being able to focus on other things because of this committed boundary that the two of you have chosen. I've heard some people have budgets with their money and things. I don't know about that. Uh, but there's a freedom in having a budget that says, okay, here's how much money I can spend because this other money is going to be going to these types of things. And there's freedom, even if it's not as much money as you would like it to be. There's freedom in recognizing this is what I have to work with and I don't have to have anxiety about what bills may or may not get paid. Boundaries, limits actually give us a sense of freedom because it alleviates us from exhaustion, from fear, from overwhelm. Boundaries set limits on others and limits on ourselves. When we acknowledge our limitations, when we create healthy boundaries in our friendships, it also gives us clarity on what type of realistic expectations we can have in our friendships. When I acknowledge that I cannot respond to every text message immediately, I have to acknowledge that so can my friends, or neither can my friends. You get it. When I acknowledge that I don't have time to say yes to every invitation, I don't have to have my feelings hurt when people say no to my invitations because I recognize there are boundaries and limits, and that's okay. That's healthy, and it allows me to prioritize the most important things. Um, I was reading as I was getting ready for this over the last few weeks, and um, like I said, you know, we're talking about friendships in this series, but boundaries are... Um, they, they apply to so many aspects of our lives. And one of the things, that, the articles that I found, they were talking about some boundaries that you may need to set inside of friendships specifically, which is actually harder to find. Most people, when they talk about boundaries, it usually has to do with, like, your mom, you know, or uh, family members or work or, or whatever it is. Uh, but it's hard to find people talking about boundaries and friendships. And they, talk, they made this list of some boundaries that you may need to set. I want to I just read some of these because some of these may resonate or it may kind of awaken something inside of you. The first sign that you may need to set boundaries is that you feel overwhelmed or underwater by life. Maybe it's a difficult season of work. Maybe, I, don't, I don't know what it might be, but this sense of being overwhelmed or underwater by life, it may be a sign that you need to set some different boundaries in your friendships. Uh, the second one is your availability has changed. I remember my wife and I, we were the first ones in our friend group to get married. And we would still get calls all the time at like 11 p.m. Hey, we're going out. You guys should come and hang out. I was like, nah, man, I'm not going to do that. Uh, we were the first ones in our friend groups to have babies. 11 p.m. calls, still coming. Hey, you should come hang out. It's like, no, nah, man, I can't do, you know. There's, there's this reality that seasons, you know, availability changes. Maybe you've had a baby. Maybe it's a different job or different hours. Or maybe you work in the financial world and it's tax season and everything is crazy. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of differences. But we have to acknowledge that sometimes our availability has changed and we have to set up different boundaries. Sometimes we recognize our relationship is too one-sided. You continue to pour and give and give and pour, and the other person doesn't do as much, or they don't care or respond in the same way. And so it's, it's wisdom to actually say, okay, then I'm going to set up some boundaries, not because I don't like you, but because it's unhealthy for me to pour myself out completely in this friendship. Sometimes you need to set boundaries because there's not safety or their words may be hurtful. Maybe it's intentional. Maybe it's not intentional. Maybe they just make jokes or they, they talk about things in a way that hurts you. 
And our natural tendency is just to distance ourselves from them, which then makes us isolated and lonely, and it continues to spin these things out. But we're talking about how do we develop and cultivate healthy relationships. And so we need to lean in and have a difficult conversation, have an honest conversation. That's the gift of good friendship, is the ability to have hard conversations that come out the other side better for it. There's a lot of different reasons or signs that you may need to set boundaries. But I think that the, the challenge is that we, we recognize that there's a, a feeling of loneliness. As we talked about week one, an epidemic of loneliness is what sociologists are calling it. A lot of us long for deeper friendships, and we all feel also stretched very thin with our time. But we cannot make time. I read that wrong. I know I was going to do that. You can't not make time. <laughs> you guys ever try to say like a double negative? Never goes very well. You can't not make time for friendships. It's, it's like the quote, you know, Sean Aniqua says, we feel like we're going to save time. Or we feel like we're going to save ourselves energy. It never pans out that way. We cannot avoid this. We've got to cultivate friendships, which means we have to create boundaries and clarify expectations. And so each week over the last few weeks, we've had an opportunity for us to take an inventory. I'm going to wrap up here in just a second, but I want us to not just listen to information, but I want us to actually process through it in our friendships together. And I want you guys on your seats, you have a pen and you have some paper, or maybe you want to use your phone, that's okay. But I want you guys to take a couple notes because I want us to be able to apply this, to lay this over our, your friendships. And I want you to kind of be honest, take an honest inventory of your relationships. And we're going to talk about, there's five boundaries that have been identified. Um, and uh, we're going to talk about what does it look like to identify which of these maybe you are in need of the most, as the psalmist said, there's this invitation for us to number our days so that we can have wisdom. As we become aware and awake to the reality that we are finite, we have limited time and resources, we get to now prioritize how we spend those in our lives. The first boundary is a physical boundary. Maybe uh, this could be cut a number of different ways, but I'll give a couple examples for each one. Maybe uh, there's a physical boundary for you at your house, and you're like, you know what? I just don't want anybody at my house after 8 p.m. Uh, or maybe for you introverts, it's, you know, after ever. I don't want that, anyone in my house ever. As That's the open invitation is to leave. Uh, no, uh, but, but maybe there's like a physical space and you recognize I just need my space. That's important for me being the best, healthiest version of myself. Uh, maybe for you, there's a physical boundary. Maybe you have a friend that just uh, loves hugging. And as silly as it is, I know some people that are very uncomfortable with hugging. And maybe there's a physical boundary that you need to set up and say, I appreciate that you love me, but I'm uncomfortable with hugging. And so I would love to be able to just high five. Uh, and it sounds silly, but these are, these are important things for us to be aware of, emotional boundaries. You know, maybe there's a reality that there's some things that are just you're not comfortable talking about. Or maybe you're not comfortable talking about yet. Or maybe there's someone that wants to tell you about something and you just aren't sure that you can carry that for them. And there's some emotional boundaries you need to set up, maybe disconnect yourself from always being attached to the way that a friend is feeling. Their highs are your highs and their lows are your lows. The third one is material boundaries. This has to do with your stuff. 
you know, a lot of this has to do with just our desire to keep up with the people that are around us. Um, that, that kind of drive to always say yes to what other people are doing. Uh, we get invited to go out to eat all the time. And maybe you need to set up a boundary that says, you know what, I can only eat out once a week or twice a week. Or maybe it's just being honest about your resources and saying, you know, I'd love to cruise around the world with you, but I just don't have that kind of money right now. But so many of us, rather than having to set up a boundary, we would just charge it and say, you know what, I'm not going to say no, I want to do it, and I'll feel bad if I say no, so let me just make this happen. Or maybe it's about people's access to your stuff, or maybe you feel pressure to lend money to friends. We can set up material boundaries. The fourth one, they're kind of two different, but they're connected, intellectual or spiritual boundaries. These have to do with topics or of conversations um, that are maybe challenging or difficult, uh, there may be people in your life, I feel like this is more true over the last few years than ever before, that you feel like they only want to argue about things. They only want to argue about spirituality or religion or politics or whatever it might be. And so oftentimes what happens is we just put up a wall and we walk away, we distance ourselves, but there's an invitation and maturity for us to say, I, I love you. I want to hang out with you. We disagree on this and it's okay that we disagree, but can we just not have this as a topic of conversation because I value our friendship more than the battle of this conversation. It's not just about spiritual things or just about uh, intellectual or political things. This is about a lot of different aspects. There's a, a book, uh, Dr. John Townsend and Henry Cloud, they wrote a book on boundaries uh, called Boundaries. It's a very creative name. Um, but it's literally like they literally wrote the book on this topic. And they talk about this idea of intellectual or spiritual boundaries and how sometimes we cut, cut people off completely because of some smaller disagreements. They say, share your core values, not necessarily your context values. Core values are those general truths that guide all areas of your life. Context values are different they're your set of beliefs about how to conduct some specific areas of your life. So share your core values, not necessarily your context values. Your core value is that you are part of a family together. You've known each other for 40 years or 50 years, and, and there's a value in that. The context value is that you vote differently. So we say, okay, let's put up some boundaries here. We're, we're, let's not spar in this area. Let's value our friendship, our relationship more. And then the last one would be time boundaries. I think this might be one of the most um, applicable today because we are stretched so thin. And we say yes to everything and we want to overcommit and overextend ourselves and, and we have permission to say no. It's two letters, it's one word, and it can even be a complete sentence. No. It's a struggle for us. So consider how often can you hang out? How much time can you spend? Every once in a while when I'm in a good space, I'll, I'll talk with my wife and we'll, we'll discuss, hey, how much time realistically in this season of life do you think we can be out at night? And she'll say something like, oh, I think right now we could do two nights a week. Sometimes it's one night a week. Sometimes it's like, well, you can leave whenever you want. Uh, just kidding. Um, but there's this reality where how do, we, how do we wake up to the fact that we have time? We have limitations. We can admit that we don't want to do something today and try and reschedule it for another time. I saw this thing online. I, I keep seeing them pop up. They talk about 
adult friendships are basically texting someone an apology that you haven't responded in two weeks and asking if they can hang out in three months. There's this reality that we just struggle with this piece of time. We were so stretched thin. These five boundaries, I I want you to take a moment, five seconds, 10 seconds, maybe you've already identified, but I'd be willing to bet that each one of us has at least one of these five things in our lives that we know in our heart of hearts we need to get better at setting up healthy boundaries. There's some, someone in your life that somehow continues to kind of cross over these boundaries in your life. And, and you recognize, man, for me to be healthy and whole and to be the best version of myself and to give uh, priority to the most important things in my life, I need to set up some boundaries. That's the invitation for us today. And as we do that, it allows us to cultivate deeper friendships the way that God intended for us to do. Let's pray together. Well, regardless of where you may be at in your faith journey, I believe that everyone has a next step that they can take. If you'd like more information about what it means to put your trust in Jesus, information about getting baptized, or maybe even attending a Discover class to grow more in your faith, you can visit us online at southhills.org forward slash Costa Mesa, and then scroll down to the next steps section. If you'd like more information about tithing or supporting South Hills financially, you can visit southhills.org forward slash giving. Thanks again for listening today, and I hope that I get to see you soon.